You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. As I was thinking about this text today, I couldn't help but think that contrary to many cultures around the world, aging in our culture is something that we do not prize here in America. I don't know if you've caught up on that or realized that, but we tend to, in fact, do the exact opposite when it comes to aging and the old. Um, We spend billions of dollars on Botox, surgeries, um, workouts, diets, hair color, cream, all of it, right, to try to stop aging. And um, we tend to take um, the younger people and put them up on the the stage in Hollywood and things like that. And um, we do everything we can to kind of slow down aging or to stop it. And we're looking for that miracle pill. And we're looking, well, maybe Maybe if I freeze my, my body when I die, maybe they'll, they'll come up with a way to bring me back and I can be young forever. And it's really just silly because in the end, um, the reality is we are all getting older. And you are now about 30 seconds older than you were when I started this sermon. And the fact of the matter is that if we don't die before it happens, all of us will eventually get to the point where our bodies fall apart and we'll actually want to die <laughs> basically at some point. Um, based on what what Ecclesiastes is about to tell us. So that's the topic for today's message. Again, so encouraging, right? Like your your body's going to slowly fall apart and then you're going to die. So that's that's what you have coming for you. Um, But don't worry, I think Solomon is again going to um, bring us glimmers of hope in the middle of this this real dark reality that we all have to face. And um, that's what I just, I've loved about this book. I don't know about you, but it's just done so much for my soul in that, it doesn't hide the fact that there is a lot of darkness in our world. And in this life, there's a lot of trials and, and hardships. But Jesus is a glimmer of hope and light that pierces through that and gives us hope for the future. And so today, the title of the message is To the Young and to the Old. To the Young and to the Old. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the reality of it, that it doesn't try to paint a pretty picture that isn't real. And uh, Lord, we just ask now that as we walk through this, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, and apply this message to our hearts so that when we do leave, we can not only hear it, but be doers of the word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was walking through this text this past week and kind of studying it, it was a lot easier than the last one. If you remember, I was kind of like, how do I present this? This one, we're kind of going back to normal. We're just going to walk through. Um, It's going to be part of chapter 11 and part of chapter 12. Um, But as I was walking through, I actually only only came across two big ideas, two big points. And so we only have two points today. And you're like, oh, maybe we'll get out early. Probably not, but still, hey, that's exciting. Um, Two weeks, or two points. So, oh, two weeks, that'd be a long sermon. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the first point that I think Solomon tries to bring out for us is this, rejoice in the gift of life, which is kind of a theme that we've seen all throughout the book. Um, but we're going to start in chapter 11, verse 7. And if you have a pew Bible, that's page 720, if you want to follow along. But we're in chapter 11, in verse 7, and it says this, Truly the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many, and that, all that cometh is vanity. So here Solomon lets us feel the warmth of the sun on our faces during a beautiful summer day. And when he says light is sweet, he's talking about the fact that it's good to be alive. He's referring to the goodness and the joys of life, and he's saying they're sweet 
like honey. And, and he then compares this light to the days of darkness that are coming, which could have to do with the fact that trials are coming. Um, you've probably heard the phrase, if you're not going through something hard right now, um, buckle up because you're about to, right? It just seems like that seems to be our reality today. But, but I, based on the context, and again, based on one of his main themes throughout, I think the days of darkness he's referring to are actually death. And so right now, because you have the light, because you're alive, that's sweet, that's good. But don't forget that the days of darkness are coming. And, and be aware of that. And then he once again, in light of all of this, he once again calls us to rejoice in the gift of life. To enjoy it. To recognize that every moment is a gift and that we're not promised another one like it. And I've said it before, but this moment right here. We're able to gather freely in this country. We're gather, open the word, um, sing praises to our Savior and, and say hi to one another and fellowship and all the joys of, of gathering corporately. This moment might not come again. So, so really soak it up. Really enjoy it. Really rejoice in this gift that we have. And, and I think that's what Solomon is saying. And um, one commentary, Derek Kidner, says that these verses are talking about the bliss of being alive. I love that. The bliss of just being alive. It's a, it's a gift. It's, it's a joy. And even in the darkness um, of this world at times, it's still a gift and we should rejoice in it. And so God made a good and beautiful world for us to enjoy. And even in this current broken straight, or state, it would be foolish for us to miss the glory that's all around us. I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, everywhere we go, there's just little glimpses of light and, and beauty and, and glory. And when we're such... In this culture, we're just going so fast. And Solomon is saying, hey, just stop. And, and really just enjoy this gift that you have. And, and, and take some time. And, and I've said this, but pull over um, later today. And, and look at the lake and the sun and the beauty. And, and, and enjoy a meal later with family and friends. And, and just really soak it up because it's a gift. It's a gift. And so often we, we rush through things. And we rush through our week. We can't wait for next week. And then next week comes and we can't wait for that. And we've got this thing coming up. And, we can't, and we, we're on this treadmill. And Solomon's saying, hey, 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 stop. Slow down. Get off and enjoy. Rejoice in the gift of life. He's going to further his point in verse 9. And really direct it specifically to young people. So those of you who are young today, this is, this is right at you guys. Um, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. <clears throat> so here again, he's addressing the young here, and I think he's specifically talking to those who can still enjoy life. So yes, he, he refers to the young, but he's also making a contrast um, from those who are young and those who he's about to talk to um, who are really, really getting old. And, and so any of us here that are able still, to rejoice in the gift of life, to enjoy it, to, to read our Bibles, to pray, to come to church, things like that. We ought to rejoice in that. So we may not all consider ourselves young, but I think all of us in that sense um, can take this application here. And so he's literally here, he's commanding us to pursue joy. He's addressing the inner man with the heart and the outer man with the walk. And he's saying that joy should characterize both. And I love this quote. It says, cheerfulness here is not merely permitted it is commanded and represented as an essential element of piety. So, so cheerfulness and joy and enjoyment and rejoicing is not just something that 
You're allowed to do that. It's okay, right? Like, because some, some Christian uh, cultures and churches are like almost like God is up in the heavens, just wants to hit you every time you laugh. And it's like, no, that's, that's not true. And so it's okay. You're permitted to actually enjoy life. But not only that, you're actually commanded to. You're commanded to have cheerfulness. And so that's part of who we are as Christians, that we ought to be cheerful in that. And then he, and then he has this interesting phrase at the end um, that I thought was interesting. He said, but know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. And the first thing I thought of when I read that was, please enjoy responsibly, right? Like that, that's kind of what like comes out of my mind when I'm reading it. I'm like, okay, so we're, we're commanded to enjoy life, but remember judgment's coming, right? Like almost like, okay, you can go out with your friends, but be home by 11, right? Like, it's kind of like that. But as I was studying it, and that could be the meaning of it, and that's you know, we should enjoy life in a God-ordained way. Whenever we go off on our own and try to do it our own way, it's, it's not going to bring true joy. But as I was studying it, I actually saw something. I didn't see it. Um, a commentary of mine, a book I was reading on this, pointed this out. And it, really, uh, it was really cool what he said. Um, it was David Gibson. And he brought out a different view that I wouldn't have seen, I don't think, without him. He says these passages <clears throat> that Ecclesiastes talks about with enjoying life aren't just suggestions. Again, they're commands. So it's a command to go out and to rejoice in the gift of life. So Christians, for a Christian, joy and delight aren't just added extras. They're actually commanded by God. So he kind of starts with that. And then he says, with that in mind, he says this. Solomon is actually including our enjoyment of God's world or lack of it as one of the things that God will call to account in his final reckoning. You don't really think about that. Like, wait. So remember, we're commanded to do this, so we're going to be judged on whether or not we do this. That's his point. He continues, failure, <clears throat> failure to enjoy is an offense, not merely an oversight. When the child does not enjoy the gift the parent has lavished on him, it is an affront to the parent's love as much as the child's deliberately breaking the toy. So like when you give someone a gift and they just act like, eh, you know, like, thanks, you know, throw it to the side and don't really enjoy it. It's offensive. Right. And, and when God says, hey, I've given you all these beautiful, great gifts and, and you're just you're not enjoying them at all. You're not you're not being thankful for them at all. You're going to be brought into judgment for that. And, and I was like, I think I like that interpretation of the text more. It seems to fit with what he's saying. And then he brought out Deuteronomy 28, where Moses is actually listing several uh, curses that the Israelite people are going to receive um, if they disobey. And one of the reasons they'll receive the curses would be because they have a lack of joy. Now I'm going to read it for you, Deuteronomy 28:47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. That's one of the reasons that they're going to receive a curse. So, so we are actually commanded, not just permitted, but commanded to have joy, to rejoice, to be thankful, to enjoy the gifts that God our Father lavishes upon us. And to not do so is an offense to God and disobedience. Now I thought that was kind of cool actually because I'm like, it, it, it fits with the New Testament where it says the commandments of our Lord are not grievous. They're not. When God gives commands, it's for our good. It's for our joy. And, and he continues, one last quote by Gibson here, not to live gladly, joyfully, and not to drink deeply from the wells of abundant goodness that God has lavished on us is sin. And it is sin because it is a denial of who he is. I want you to think about the Garden of Eden, right? The very first 
sin that took place was in this beautiful garden. Everything was good, not just good, but very good. God had given them everything that they needed. And what was Satan, a lot, what was Satan able to tempt Eve with? He, he said, hey, God's holding out on you. Basically, he got her to tempt God's goodness. And for that split second in that moment, when, when he was pointing to this fruit that she wasn't allowed to have, he gave her um, what we call modern days FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Like, like what am I missing here? Like, what is God holding back? And, and Satan was able to get her to question God's goodness, and it spiraled all of humanity into sin and death and brokenness. And that's the same thing I think that happens today is that a lot of times Satan tempts us to think that the good life, the enjoyment, the pleasures, the joys of life are actually outside of God's will for you. And man, you got to get away from this dusty old book if you want to have fun. And God is saying, no, 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 no. The way I have ordained it is how true joy comes and true pleasure comes. And, and I've seen this and I'm sure you've seen this. Anytime someone goes outside of the will of God when it comes to enjoyment, there may be pleasure for a little while. And the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, but it always leads to brokenness. It always leads to pain. It always leads to emptiness. And so Solomon is saying, hey, enjoy the gift that God has given you. Remember, God created taste buds, right? Like it was God who made that. He made all the flavors. God made the colors. God made nature. God created sex, right? God created these things. And so he wants us to have pleasure and he, he wants us to recognize that those things ought to point you back to him. And that's where true joy and enjoyment of these things comes from. And I, and I love that that's kind of a theme all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And verse 10, he's going to give a couple instructions in our pursuit for joy. He says, Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. So the sorrow of the heart here could be referring to the worries, the fears, the anxieties that often plague us in our lives, right? Like a lot of us struggle with fear and anxiety and worry. It's just something that it can really easily grab a hold of us. And Solomon's saying, hey, don't let that steal your joy. Don't let that hamper your ability to rejoice in the gift of life. So often we allow the sorrows of our hearts, the worries, the fears, the anxieties to, to stop us, to cloud us in, and to keep us from enjoying God. And I know that this is really hard, and this is something that, that we've got to work through a lot of times when it comes to um, allowing the gospel to shape us through these things. But he's saying, don't let that stop your joy. And then he goes on and put away evil from thy flesh. And, and this has to do with, with a physical thing, I think, a physical pain. So he talked about removing the sorrows, the anxieties, and the worries. And not only that, remove the things that are, that are actually damaging um, your outer man, your ability to enjoy life physically. And um, this is kind of saying like, hey, if you have a headache, it's okay to take Tylenol, right? Like, that's what he's saying. Like, if that's going to stop you from your ability to enjoy the Lord, then, then go ahead and use the things that are necessary to put away these pains in our flesh. And then he goes on and he kind of addresses both sides. But, but this is his point when he says that childhood and youth are vanity. Again, he's saying they're elusive. They're there and then they're gone. They're like smoke. And he's saying, so enjoy it now. Because life is short. It doesn't last long. And every day is a gift. So rejoice in the gift of life. But not only that. He continues, point two, remember your creator. Remember your creator, verse one of chapter 12. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, 
nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. So what Solomon is saying here is that there's a storm coming. And if an early death doesn't take us, this is a storm that all of us will have to weather. And it's the storm of old age. It's coming. That's what he's saying. And it's, it's like a storm that comes and you think the clouds are going to clear and then there's just more clouds. Like as a, as a young person, when you get hurt physically... Like, that's a little bit of a cloud, right? That's a little bit of a rainstorm, but you know you're going to heal from that probably and move on. But as an older person, a lot of times those clouds come, and, and man, you think it's going to clear up, and it just keeps coming. And that's what he's saying, that old age is like a storm that just keeps coming. And so in light of that, in light of that reality, that dark reality that's coming, live a God-centered life now. Remember your Creator now. Don't wait until after the brokenness comes. Don't wait till after the pain. What he's saying is as you live life, don't live without remembering the one who gave you this life. Don't forget about the one who spoke this all into existence. Don't be oblivious to the fact that in him we live and move and have our being. It's remembering God in everything that we do. It's not forgetting that he is the one that gave us this life. And if we remember that previous command of rejoicing in the gift of life then it's, this is necessary to enjoy the gift of life, to remember our Creator. In fact, all of the commands in Ecclesiastes and in the Bible, in order for us to fulfill those, it's necessary that we remember our Creator, that we live a God-centered life, that we don't just go about our lives without remembering what this is all about. That's what he's saying. And so what does it mean to remember our Creator? Well, Daniel and Jonathan Aiken say this, remembering your Creator means trusting Him obeying him and walking with him i like that another commentator says this to remember god is to live our whole lives for him it is to be mindful of god in every circumstance including him in all of our plans praising him for all of his blessings and praying to him through all of our troubles it's just it's just including him in everything so so if you think about it this way when you leave today keep god on your mind right remember him recognize his presence when you go to make a decision, remember God. Remember your Creator. When you go to respond a certain way, remember God. Remember your Creator. When you go to enjoy the gifts of this life, remember God. Let it point back to God. That's, that he, that's what he's saying. It's a God-centered life. It's that God should be central to everything that we think, do, and say. We should trust Him, obey Him, and walk with Him as we navigate through this life. And notice there's an urgency to this command, um, he's saying, remember it in the days of your youth. Remember it now while you can. And David Gibson, again, puts it this way. We must remember who God is, who we are, and how we should live before the curtains come down and the life we have been given by God is taken from us again by him. See, too many people often allow life to pass them by and they don't ever take time to remember their creator. And I, I remember as a child so many times older Christians that have maybe became Christians later in life or, or maybe they kind of went off um, and rebelled for a lot of years and then came back. I remember so many older Christians coming to me as a young man and saying, hey, live for God now. Live for God now. Like don't, don't waste your life. Don't, don't go off thinking that out here there's going to be pleasure because there's not. 
There's brokenness and there's pain. Live for him now. And, and, and so many people would tell me, they would exhort me, don't waste the years ahead of you. You're so young and you've got this, this life ahead of you. And as a young person, it's like, yeah, but I kind of want to, you know, experiment a little. I want to do that or whatever. And, the, and what Solomon is saying, what so many others who've been there are saying, remember God now. So for the youth in this room, that, this is specifically for you to remember your creator in the days of your youth. And it's also for all of us while we can remember him, while we can enjoy this good life before those clouds come that just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Remember him now. Remember your creator before it's too late. And in the next verses, he's going to describe the aging process like I talked about in a collection of beautiful poetic phrases in a fashion that only Solomon, I think, um, can do. It's, it's, it's quite interesting to read. Um, so let's look at that again. Um, remember your creator, what he says, and then um, we're going to move on to um, where he says, While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. So now we're in verse 3. So he's saying, remember your creator while things are okay, before the clouds just keep coming. And then in verse 3, in the days, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets, when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. So we'll pause there and kind of explain some of this. So again, Solomon is describing the aging process as a storm that just comes. Okay, so, so younger people in here, listen up. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to prepare you for something that's coming. And those who are a little further down the road can maybe relate to some of this. Um, but what he says, first of all, he says the keepers of the house. Um, those are probably referring to your hands. Okay, so those... Those keepers of the house that at one point um, were strong are now trembling. Okay? The strong men that bow themselves are your stooping legs that can barely hold your weight now. So at one point, your legs, they were the strong men that held you, and now they're, they're just bending. They're, um, they're stooping. Okay? Um, they're, they're bowing themselves. The grinders that cease. Now, I think we could probably all guess what that is because they are few on teeth. Right. And so he's saying your teeth are going to fall out and you're not going to be able to chew much because there's not going to be a lot of them. Okay, And then he's going to continue. Those that look out of the windows um, are your eyes and they're going to grow dim. Your sight is going to slowly dim. And then the doors shut in the streets are probably your ears. Um, So your ears are going to start to lose their hearing. And then um, waking to the voice of the bird is probably referring to light sleep, which is kind of paradoxical. So you lose your hearing, but then you wake up to like the smallest of things. He's like, man, bummer deal, right? Like <laughs> that's just how it is. And, um, and he goes on and he said, and it's funny, I have a note here because I couldn't, I couldn't help but think of this. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the movie Christmas Vacation. Um, we, we had it on tape. My mom taped it and we watched it as a kid. And there's that scene where this little like grandmother who can't hear a thing all of a sudden hears the squeaky sound of the squirrel. Do you remember that? Um, she's like, what's that sound? It's a small squeaky sound. And I'm like thinking, yeah, like you can't hear a thing, but you're waking up to the voice of a little bird. And that's kind of what Solomon is saying. And so, yeah, bummer deal. Um, moving on. Um, the daughters of music are probably referring to the fact that you can no longer sing. Um, or that you can no longer enjoy singing. There's kind of, people go back and forth on what that means. So, are you depressed yet? Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Also, 
when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. So here he's covering the fear of heights that, that kind of gets even larger as you age, and he's covering, covering the fear of tripping and falling um, that, that seems to happen, like is there something in the way? And um, this actually reminded me when Shane and I were at Disney World at the end after the fireworks were going off, um, there's just a crowd of people trying to kind of get out of there. And we saw this old couple trying to cross the street and they tripped on the sidewalk. And, you know, all these people, we run to try to help him. But it, it was like a sad moment to think, you know, like they didn't see it there. And that's kind of what Solomon is saying. As you age, you're, fe- you're fearful of, of heights and you're fearful of things that might cause you to fall because that's a big deal. And, and then he goes on and he eloquently refers to the gray hair as the almond tree flourishing. <laughs> so, hey, that's a better way to put it, right? The almond tree blossoming is, is what your gray hair is. And then... Unlike grasshoppers that usually are jumping around, he's saying this is a grasshopper that's dragging himself in a burdensome way. And then you pretty much seem to lose your desire for everything. Food, sex, pleasure, everything seems to just kind of, you just don't have much of a desire for much when you're old. And he continues in verse 6, Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken, at the cistern. Now, some scholars point to the silver cord and the golden bowl as the spinal cord and the skull, um, but most, what I was reading more, most of them link all those phrases together as um, pitchers and wheels, um, as images of vessels that carry water that, that break. They can no longer carry water, which is a symbol of life. And so, if you can imagine at a well, um, the, the rope and the bucket just breaking and falling to the bottom of the well and shattering, just unable to be put back together at this point. And so the body is going to finally fall apart so bad that it shatters at the bottom of a well and can't be put back together. And so in the final verses, um, he says this in verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And so what he's saying is eventually the body will return to the dust, and God will issue a recall on the Spirit and all of this leads Solomon to say, vanity of vanities. Again, right? Like his, his line all throughout the book, vanity of vanities. And um, what's interesting to think about is a lot of people will debate with us as Christians when we say, yeah, God made us out of the dust of the ground. That's where we came from. That's how God made us. And, oh, I can't believe that you believe that. That's, that's silly. That's foolish. But what no one will debate is that eventually we're all going to go back to the dust of the ground. Kind of interesting, right? Like, you can't argue that. <laughs> we're all going to go back there. And so um, it's kind of an interesting thing. But God's going to call the Spirit home, and, and that's going to be the end. And so he unpacks this, this phrase, or these phrases of aging, in kind of a beautiful, poetic way, but still can be a little bit depressing as we read them. Like, man, that's... That's coming for all of us. And, and um, so what do we do with all this? Right? Like at face value, again, this is kind of hard to read. But once again, I want to redirect your focus to Jesus. Because where Jesus goes, we can't stay hopeless. It's just, it's so true. Listen, when Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. And all of those who are united to him by faith have the promise of a physical resurrected body in the future. Like this is unparalleled to other religions. Other religions promise some sort of an afterlife, um, some sort of ethereal, um, floating spirit-like afterlife. But the Bible's like, no, no, no. 
you're going to get a physical body. Like a physical body that doesn't age, that doesn't um, have sin tainted in it, that doesn't have imperfections. It's going to be beautiful and perfect. And so that's kind of exciting for us to look forward to. Like because of Jesus and what he did for us, that's what we have for our future. And that's why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 5 that right now we're groaning in this physical body. He calls it a tent or a building that's kind of breaking down and we're groaning in it, but we're looking forward to a glorified body that is promised to all believers. And so again, in the midst of this dark passage, the New Testament's going to shine some light and say, hey, yes, your physical body's going to age and fall apart and die, but you have a glorified body coming if you're united to Christ by faith. That's a beautiful promise. I love this quote. Because of Christ, the decay of death is not the final word. Because of Christ, aging is not the end. Because of Christ, life can be meaningful and youthful radiance will last an eternal life after the grave. Isn't that beautiful? Because of Christ. So while aging can be discouraging, it should not lead us to despair because we have a glorious future to look forward to as Christians. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact that we still have a physical future to deal with. So what is Solomon actually trying to say here? Well, I think a key phrase for us to kind of understand all of this is when he says, in the days of thy youth. Or remember now. Um, so there's an urgency when it comes to remembering our Creator. So I think what he's saying here is while um, a lot of us here wouldn't consider ourselves young necessarily, um, there's still an urgency because we're all younger than we're going to be tomorrow. <laughs> right? Can we agree on that? And so right now, right now, we ought to remember our Creator. We ought to start living a God-centered life right now. See, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us here, we have a tendency to push the important or difficult things off until tomorrow, right? Like this, the land of tomorrow, <laughs> whatever tomorrow is, it's not really tomorrow. It's just not today, right? And so we push things off. And to kind of give you some illustrations, tomorrow, I'll start that diet um, right after I finish these extra donuts that I just got from church. So that's my line, like constantly. Every week, people are like, take this. And I'm like, no, Monday, I've got all these donuts and muffins on the counter. Um, so yeah, Tuesday, I'll start. But then there's still muffins, you know. So tomorrow, I'll start that diet. Tomorrow, I'll start working out. Right? The alarm goes off. I'll, I'll start tomorrow. I'm going to sleep in a little bit longer, right? Um, so we put it off. Tomorrow, I'll take my car in to finally see what that blinking light on the dashboard is. Like, oh, what is that? I'll do it tomorrow, right? And we just push things off. And these are somewhat insignificant, but we do this with bigger things, right? So, so later on, I'll call up that loved one just to talk. But right now, I'm busy. Right? Later on, I'll make more time for my family, but right now I've got to work and make money. Once things slow down, I'll start serving the Lord more and being more faithful, but right now I can't. And what we often do is we just push things off. Right? I know I've got to have this conversation with this person, but not right now. I know I've got to get more faithful with, with my serving of the Lord and using the gifts that He's given me, but, but not right now. And, and we push things off. And Solomon is saying, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't wait until you're old. Remember God now. I once read a story about a man named Scott, and in high school, he kind of got convicted that he needed to get more serious about the Lord. And, and he was at a, a church service, and his preacher was preaching, and he knew he was kind of coursing his life somewhere else, but he's like, I'll do it eventually once I get to college. You know, I get to college, I'll settle down, I'll find a church, and 
And then in college, he got busy and he said, you know, once, once I, I get a job after college, I'll, I'll get back to church. I'll get back to serving. And, and then he found a wife and, and he said, once we have kids, you know, things will slow down, right? You know, that's foolish. And um, we'll slow down. We'll, we'll settle down. We'll go to church because our kids need church. And, and he pushed it off and he pushed it off and he pushed it off. And I was reading this story. It was discouraging um, until it said recently, though, he said yes to Jesus and he started following him again. And I said, yeah, this is, this is encouraging. But, but it said he lost a lot in the land of tomorrow. And for over 25 years, he put off his decision to get serious about God in his life. And I thought the story was going to end happy, but unfortunately it didn't. His wife had left him. Um, she took the kids with him and he was a recovering alcoholic at this point. Writing, saying, hey, don't put it off. Like, don't put it off. Like, like serve God now. Live a God-centered life now. And that's what Solomon and, and Scott and countless others who have gone their own way for years and come back would tell us here today, live for him now. Remember your creator now, not tomorrow, not once things slow down. Today, today is the day to mend that broken relationship. Today is the day to spend that quality time with loved ones. Today is the day to start fulfilling your calling to the Lord. Today is the day to start investing in tomorrow. Today. That, that's the call. That's the call today. It's while you're young, while you still have your senses about you, while you can still understand the gifts that God has given us, today we need to live for God. Don't put it off because not only do we not have tomorrow promised us, we could die as we leave today. That's not a promise. But not only that, even if we do have tomorrow, we're going to age before we know it. And soon we're not going to be able to do what we know we ought to do. And so I think what he's saying again is he's already warned us that tomorrow may never come. And now he's warning us that if it does, it's going to come before we know it. And so the big idea for us today is to allow your future to shape your present by remembering God today. So look into the future. That's what Solomon just painted for us. He's showing us what's coming for all of us. There is, there is a, a time when this body is going to start to fall apart and we're not going to really enjoy life anymore and the, the desire for much of anything is going to go away. And so he's saying right now in your youth, while you can still think about God, while you can still use your hands, while you can still live this life, live for God today. Because here's the thing, we are all cultivators we're all creating right now. See, the person that you're seeing in front of you right now didn't happen yesterday or this past week. This person here right now happened years ago. I've been cultivating in the past and I'm cultivating right now for my future. What kind of husband am I going to be in the future? What kind of father am I going to be to our kids one day? That's all right now taking place by the decisions I made. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, allow your future to shape right now by remembering God today. And for those of you who are especially young here, this is especially to you. I love what Philip Ryken says about this. He says, remember God now while you still have your wits about you. Remember God now while you are still charting your course in life and making important decisions with what to do with your talents. Remember your creator now before you forget the God who made you and make a lot of bad decisions that you will regret later. Remember God now while you still have a whole lifetime to live for his glory. As Charles Bridges once said, many have remembered too late, but none too soon. Remember your creator today. 
And I think that's the, the command for us here in this text is to, to remember him now. Right now, while we still can. Because as one preacher said, we are every day laying up the food on which we must feed in the closing years. We are hanging up pictures about the walls of our hearts that we shall have to look at when we sit in the shadows. So what decisions are you making today that one day you'll regret? Right? Think, think about that. What am I doing right now with my time, my talents, my energy that one day I'm, I'm going to regret? And what decisions are you not making today that one day you'll wish you had? Right? So, so many decisions are, that we're putting off and one day we're going to say, man, I really wish I would have done that. And, and that's what Solomon is saying. He's saying, stop waiting to get serious about God and do it today. You know, so many people, unfortunately, in this life have to go through years of pain and brokenness before they finally wake up to the reality that they need to live a life that's God-centered for them to have joy. And what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to help all of us to not, especially those who are younger in the room, to not go through those years of brokenness and pain first, but to remember him now. Like right now, decide, I'm going to live a God-centered, joy-filled life. That's what Solomon is saying here. Don't wait until tomorrow. Remember God today. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou, sh- when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember now thy Creator. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this text. Thank you for how it really can shape our thinking, our decisions, our behaviors today. Lord, I just ask that by your grace, you'd enable us to allow our future to shape our present. To start remembering you in in all the little things. But to recognize that this isn't a grievous command, God. This is where joy comes. This is where pleasure comes. This is where rejoicing comes. That, God, we we would put you at the center of everything we do and think and say. Lord, be with us now. That we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. We love you. In Jesus' name.